The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. From the cloud came a voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone, except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Having grown up in the Midwest, this whole idea of living in a higher altitude was always just something that I had heard about, I was aware of, but it was all theoretical. You'd hear people talk about experiencing it themselves, or you'd read a recipe and it would tell you to change your ingredients or change your cooking temperature or time based on a higher altitude. So it always caught my attention. It's such an interesting thing, but it was always theory until two years ago. I had the opportunity, I was invited out to the mountains of Montana to take care of a group of missionaries who are gonna be there all summer long. So I flew out to Montana, and when I first got off the plane and they took us up to where we were staying, we were 7,500 feet up the mountainside. And so once we got up there, I kind of felt a little something, but not really. I was just like, "Ah, is this really that big of a deal? Checked out the place, got to meet a bunch of the people, went to bed spent the night, and had the first night there, woke up the next morning, celebrated Mass, and right afterward had breakfast with some of the missionaries, and they said, hey, we're going to go for a hike today. Would you like to come with us? I was like, yes, I have two weeks to see as much of Montana as I possibly can. That I can do. That I could not do. We took a, a one-mile hike up the mountainside, starting at 7,500 feet. As we take off, I've been on plenty of hikes before. I didn't think this was going to be much of anything. And we're not even 15 minutes into it. And I'm breathing heavily like I'm about to finish a half marathon. Like I've run enough that I knew kind of what my breathing correlates with my heart rate. And I was getting a little bit concerned. I was like, oh my gosh, like, is, is my heart okay? I'm breathing this heavy. And I look at the heart rate monitor on my watch, 100 beats per minute. Nowhere close to the danger zone that I thought I was in. My heart was doing fine, but my lungs were not. It was a beautifully humbling experience as we had to stop multiple times over the course of a mile for the poor priest to be able to survive the hike. We finally get to the end, we get to our destination, and we come up over this ridge and we see this beautiful lake that's just situated amongst multiple other mountains that continue up all around us. 
So there's this little low point where this lake formed, and we sat down, had a little snack, and I caught my breath again for the first time in, a, in an hour and a half. And as we were just sitting there in the peace, just enjoying what was going on, all of a sudden all these little chipmunks came out, and they're running around everywhere, and I'm throwing out the trail mix, having a great old time. And so as I'm taking all this in, all of a sudden I look around and I see the other mountainsides all around us and I go, heck no, <laughs> we're done for today. In our gospel, our Lord takes the disciples, not just up a mountainside, but up a very high mountain. And so this image of sitting at the Lake of Montana, looking up at this very high mountain, I had gone up the mountain, but not the very high one. I had worked hard to get to the place that we were, but there was so much further that we could have gone. And so I think this becomes a beautiful image for all of those who are really struggling in their prayer life, where they say, I've been praying, and I've been praying, and I've been praying, and I've been praying, and that grace that I'm looking for has not come yet. I keep going to prayer, and I don't feel God's presence. What's wrong? And the answer is nothing. But we need to pause and think about what is it that we're looking for in prayer? When we go to prayer, hopefully we're not asking for the little things. Hopefully we're asking for the big things. And so if we expect something big from God, does it not make sense that we also need to give something big to God? And so many of us, we've hiked up the mountain of prayer. But have we hiked up the high mountain of prayer? Have we persevered all the way to the very top, to the very peak, to receive that mountaintop experience? Or do we work hard, get to that beautiful lake, have that consolation that God gives to us and say, I'm just content to stay here. I don't need to go any further. I've put in all of this effort to get to this point. Now it's time for God to give me what I want. That's not prayer. That's not building a relationship. That's not striving for the greatness that we are made for. For we're not made to just climb a mountain and stop. We're made to climb the heights of the mountain, to get to the very peak. Because the glory of the transfiguration, the incredible encounter that these three had, this is something that God desires to give to each and every one of us. But to receive that grace, our hearts have to be prepared for it. Notice in our first reading today, as Abraham and Isaac are walking up the mountainside, and right in that great moment, as Abraham has raised the knife to offer up the holocaust of his son, the angel appears to him and stops what's happening. And he uses very interesting words here where he says, Now I know the faith that you have in me. What do you mean now? Last week we were reflecting upon the angels and how they exist outside of time. God himself, he exists outside of time. He's not waiting for us to respond to see what it is we're going to do. When he gives us the invitation to do something, he already knows how it's going to work out. So he knew that Abraham was going to follow through. He knew that Abraham would have faith. But Abraham did not. He thought he had faith, but he had to go through the journey. He had to go through the agony. 
of walking up the mountainside, of contemplating what on earth it is that God had just asked of him. How he was called to sacrifice his only son, the only way that he saw the possible fulfillment of the covenant that had been promised so many decades before. And he was called to offer that up. And he saw no way that God could could fulfill what it is that he offered. The torment that must have caused in his heart. The number of times as they were walking up that mountainside. That he had been tempted to turn back and say, no, 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 this can't be. Maybe I heard God wrong. Maybe I misunderstood something. I'm going to go back and figure this out. Maybe we'll try again later. He had to go through those temptations to prepare his heart for what it is that God wanted to give to him. And not only himself, but Isaac too. Remember, when Isaac was conceived, Abraham was in his 90s. So at this point, Abraham is really old, but Isaac is still young and strong. And he figured out very quickly what was going on. As they began up that mountainside, he asked his father what they were doing. And he said, we're going to offer a sacrifice to God. And Isaac looks around. He knew enough about their faith. And he said, there's no animal to sacrifice. And he connected the dots. He knew he was the sacrifice. And at any moment, he could have turned and run. At any moment, he could have overpowered Abraham and chosen a different route. But he did not. He willfully submitted to the will of God. And his heart was also prepared at that point to receive the grace that God wants to give to him. And so when we're tempted to turn away from our spiritual lives, is the idea that God requires us to spend so much time in prayer for his own good? Or maybe it's for our good. That we need to spend that time. We need to persevere. We need to have those hours and hours and hours of prayer to prepare our hearts for what God wants to give to us. For if he gives too much to us too fast, we simply can't contain it. We hear about this all the time in the Old Testament. That whenever somebody encounters God, they always start freaking out. And they're like, oh my gosh, God revealed himself to us. Can my heart contain all this goodness or is my heart about to just explode from all the grace that God's given to me? Nothing's changed. Humanity is still the same. Our hearts must be prepared. And that's why we're called to climb not just the mountain of prayer, but the very high mountain of prayer. To continue to seek out the big and the bold and the beautiful and the glorious. And we're called to walk this journey together. It was not an accident that God wanted Abraham and Isaac to travel that journey together. It is not an accident that it was Peter, James, and John who climbed the mountain together. For how many times in prayer are we tempted to turn back? If I had been walking up that mountain, that one-mile hike in Montana by myself, I guarantee you I would not have made it to the top but it was because those missionaries kept pushing me forward that I made it there. And if we had journeyed all the way up to the highest of mountains, we would have all needed each other. As we climb the mountain of our spiritual lives, as we pray, we need each other. 
We cannot walk this journey alone. And that's why Christ gave us a church, a parish family that walks together. Those who are sitting in the pews in front of you, behind you, next to you. Those are your companions to walk this journey together. And so when we gather to celebrate, whether it's here on Sunday, whether it's the fish fry, whether it's our prime timers group, whether it's our small group, whatever it happens to be, what are we talking about? Are we entering into our faith? Are we sharing with each other that journey? Are we going deeper? Are we encouraging each other? For the temptation is always the same. Yay, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Let's talk about that. That's easy. Oh, the weather's really nice in February. Let's talk about that. That's easy. But that's not going to push us forward. Let us push each other. Let us encourage each other. Let us challenge each other. And let us receive from each other these beautiful challenges. For if we try and make this journey alone, odds are we're probably not going to make it. For the mountain ahead of us is very high. But the glory that awaits is worth the effort. Let us push each other, encourage each other, walk this journey together. For when we work together as one, when we walk in the power of Christ, there is no limit to the heights we can reach. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit.